Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Catholic Light. Thanks for joining me. Right on the heels of discussing generosity and gratitude on our, I believe, our last episode, we had a gospel passage from the one of the days. Actually, I think it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Um, and in honor of Thanksgiving, the church presented the reading, uh, the gospel passage from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, where we re- read about, we read about the healing of the 10 lepers. So Jesus encounters 10 lepers. Um, they approach him, but stay at a distance, cry out, you know, Lord, have pity on us. He heals them. And one returns, the Samaritan returns to say thank you. And I just thought the the language, as all the language of scripture is, thank you, Jesus, was just so striking and pointed to the beauty of gratitude. So this is this is Rebecca Doherty's take on the Gospel of Luke. This is not, you know, official church teaching, but it was just striking to me, I think, because we had just discussed um, the virtue of gratitude or striving for gratitude in our lives. So let's see, Luke chapter 17, it says they, okay, so as he continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, 10 lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voice saying, Jesus, master, have pity on us. So that that language was striking to me. They stood at a distance and cry out in petition, Lord, have mercy on us, have pity on us. Then they, you know, Jesus says, go present yourselves. As they're walking, they realize they're cleansed, they're healed, and one returns. And it says, um, and one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice, and he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. So he returned, glorifying God in a loud voice, and he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. So I thought it was so interesting that... um We'll read on next week's episode. So today's episode is going to be brief. We're going to read um, just a little bit further on prayer, hit a couple highlights, and then next week we'll talk about the um, the catechism makes distinctions between the different or among the different types of prayer. So prayers of petition, thanksgiving, etc. And so I thought it was so striking that you know both of these prayers are good. So this prayer of petition, Lord Jesus Christ, have pity on us. Um, when the the 10 cry out to God in petition, have pity on us. Scripture says they stood at a distance. And then when the one returns in gratitude, he goes right up to Jesus and falls at his feet, glorifying God in a loud voice. And so there's, again, with all passages of Scripture, there's just so much there. But I thought it was so neat that um, it's gratitude that brings this one man right to the feet of Jesus, brings him close. Whereas when they're crying out, the 10 are crying out in petition, they stood at a distance. And so we can we can draw near to Jesus and petition him, and we can shout in gratitude from a distance. But I thought it was just, again, neat, right after we talked about gratitude and how gratitude really leads to greater happiness. Um, this passage illustrates that that it's gratitude that brings him right up close to Jesus, right to the feet of Jesus, kind of in this like holy boldness. And also it's like like he forgets himself in gratitude and just goes right to the Lord and, and glorifies him. 
So come, Lord Jesus, give us the grace. We cry out in petition. Give us the grace to have pity on us, heal us, cleanse us, and give us the grace to be filled with gratitude and to offer gratitude to you so that we may, we may live this life of holy boldness and just fall at your feet, draw close to you, and again, receive all, all that you have in store for us. Amen. All right. On the second half of today's episode, we'll read paragraphs 2598 through 2622. So we'll read a little bit more on prayer. Again, we're in part four, section one, which discusses prayer in general. And then in section two, we'll, we'll go through the Our Father line by line. And so I just want to hit on a, a couple salient features, a couple of salient paragraphs from from today's reading selection. And the first is this. In paragraph 2599, we read, the Son of God who became Son of the Virgin also learned to pray according to his human heart. So Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God himself, is fully God. So he does not give up any of his divinity when he becomes incarnate, when he descends to earth and steps into our our human timeline, our human finiteness, and takes on human flesh. So he he's always and forever fully God. He's um, He doesn't give up any of that divinity in becoming human. And yet when he takes on human flesh, uh, when he becomes incarnate, he becomes fully human. Um, as scripture says us in like us in all ways but sin. So he does not sin, which is actually a flaw in our humanity. Um, So some might think like, oh, well, then he's not actually like us in all ways if he doesn't sin or he's like missing some of the humanity. Um, But to sin is actually a a flaw in our humanity. And so he, he lives the fullness, the beauty, the goodness of our humanity fully. So in his humanity, he learns to pray according to his human heart. And the catechism goes on to say, he learns the formulas of prayer from his mother who kept in her heart and meditated upon all the great things done by the Almighty. He learns to pray in the words and rhythms of the prayer of his people in the synagogue at Nazareth and the temple at Jerusalem. And that that line, he learns the formulas of prayer from his mother, I think is, is noteworthy because oftentimes rote prayers um, so prayers like the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, um, prayers like praying the Rosary, where we're saying the same prayers again and again. Um, they, these prayers often get a bad rap, or Catholics get a bad rap for for praying rote prayers. Either they're simplistic, they're boring, they're um, portrayed as, or we are portrayed as, like these mindless little sheep that just, you know, reiterate these words again and again and don't think for ourselves or pray for ourselves. But I think, um, so one, if Jesus did it, if, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And uh, two, I think there's in, in living his humanity and showing us how to live our humanity, I think this is instructive in that. Um, uh, the formulas of prayer, rote prayer, can be very helpful and very good for us because um, whether it's where we're learning to pray, we're just starting on the the journey of prayer, the road to, to a greater prayer life, or whether we're just like tired one day or stressed or distracted, we can just go back almost instinctively to those prayers. So first we can learn them. 
so that as we get more comfortable praying these words given to us, we might then feel confident um, or creative to kind of like riff on our own and, you know, just just speak out of the heart um, because we already have, you know, some of these words. We have the language of prayer given to us by God, um, given to us, you know, in and through the scriptures, handed down in tradition. Um, and so that can that can get us on the path of prayer, that can provide a solid foundation, that can teach us to pray. And then again, when we're tired, stressed, distracted, et cetera, and it's like, ah, Joe, how do I pray? What do I want to say? Lord, help me. Um, We can kind of just fall into the the rhythm of prayer, as, as Scripture said. He learns the formulas of prayers from his mother. He learns to pray in the words and rhythms of the prayer of his people. And so it's like so many things in our faith it's it's really a gift and um someone said to me one time watch watch what the church has made fun of for or watch you know the the specific points that that the world will will make fun of the church or you know poke fun at the church or criticize the church and that's often where some really good things are where where the truth lies because as scripture tells us the 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 world is opposed to the gospel and so um you know, the world is going to be critical of, of the truth. And so, yeah, so thank you, Jesus, for these rote prayers. Thank you, moms and dads and, what does it say, synagogues and temples and churches who have teachers and, and catechists who have handed on these prayers to us. Um, and Lord, give us the grace to, to pray them well and then to kind of keep them in our arsenal or our repertoire so that when we're, we're at a loss for how to pray or what to say, we can, we can rely on those or allow those to buoy us up and, and help us keep going. Um, so sometimes when I'll put Lucy to bed at night, if the kids are around or want to help, you know, I'll invite them in to, to snuggle up Lucy, change her diaper, and uh, as we lay her in her crib, I'll say, like, okay, guys, let's let's say a little prayer with Lucy before we say goodnight. <laughs> and so the other night, um, I usually do the St. Michael prayer and then – I'll pray for for each child I'm putting to bed. I'll pray through the intercession of of their name saints. So St. Lucy, pray for us. St. Regina, pray for us. So uh, Declan was with me the other night when I was putting Lucy to bed. I said, okay, Dec, let's say a little prayer with Lucy um, as she goes to sleep in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and you heard Declan in the dark go, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we are about to receive. <laughs> so at six years old, he's got some rote prayers at the ready <laughs> for times of prayer. And then speaking of having words to pray when we're tired, stressed, distracted, paragraph 2609 says, uh, once committed to conversion, the heart learns to pray in faith. Faith is a filial or like sonly, daughterly adherence to God beyond what we feel and understand. So faith is a filial adherence to God beyond what we feel and understand. And so, you know, sometimes we might not feel like praying or when we pray we might not feel anything um, we might feel distracted we might feel just like empty we might feel like lord i don't know if this counts for anything but here i am and i love you and i know you i know intellectually that you love me and that i love you even though this doesn't feel like anything right now um, the catechism reminds us here that that faith uh, goes beyond and our, our prayer life goes beyond what we feel and even understand um, so lord i feel 
maybe we this this prayer surges up in our heart a certain petition or a thanksgiving um and we just find ourselves like praying i remember um after going on retreat with a kairos retreat with my students at one of the archdiocese in high schools i um i had one student in particular who just seemed to really be struggling and shortly after the retreat i was praying in adoration and all of a sudden like i was just thinking of him and just felt overwhelmingly like I needed to pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And I didn't understand it. And then I, you know, I I sat there and and prayed for a while for him. And then I come to find out weeks later that that particular night he was having, um, you know, a very difficult moment with his family. And um, so in retrospect, I realized the, the Holy Spirit was prompting me to, to pray for this, this young man. And, um, how cool to be a part of that because the Holy Spirit does not need me to pray. The Holy Spirit loved that student and knew and understood that student far more than I did and was willing his good and giving him the grace and giving his family the grace. Um, but how beautiful that he allowed me to be a part of that in prayer, you know, as another member of the body of Christ. So sometimes uh, we don't even understand maybe why we're praying for a certain intention or, um, you know, lifting up different people and, and events and etc. Um, but as the catechism reminds us here, um, this adherence, faith is a filial adherence to God beyond what we feel and understand. And uh, God willing, um, one day in heaven, we'll, we'll see all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. We'll see that, you know, that each each prayer, each moment was part of this this greater story. Um, but in the meantime, trust that that the Holy Spirit is is with you as you pray, is praying in and and through you, lifting lifting each of us up into the heart of the Trinity as we pray. And our, our feelings and our understandings are not a measure of how good our prayer is. So when it feels dry, when it feels you know lacking in in feeling and understanding, persevere. As we said, I think on last week's episode, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Persevere, persevere, persevere. Have confidence that, uh, let's see, ask and you shall receive. We, were, we shall receive, we shall find, and the door shall be opened unto us. Which brings us right to 2610. Just as Jesus prays to the Father and gives thanks before receiving his gifts, so he teaches us filial, there's that word again, filial, so sonly or daughterly, boldness. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and you will. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and you will. And that the footnote there leads us to footnote 66, which is a direct quote from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 24. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it, believe that you receive it and you will. Ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, persevere, persevere, persevere. Uh, Jesus encourages us again and again and again to persevere, 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 and he will answer our prayers in the best possible way in accordance with him and his will and his good and perfect timing. And so as we, if you're listening to this live, we're about one week away from the season of Advent, uh, this time of preparation for Christmas. And so as we chat today about um, formulaic prayers, rote prayers, and persevering in prayer. Um, maybe consider, I'm a big fan of the rosary, and I've, I've plugged the rosary a number of times throughout this podcast. Um, maybe consider taking up a certain intention um, throughout Advent and offering it up each day with prayers of the rosary. The rosary is a great go-to. Again, if we're tired, where I find myself, uh, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't 
quite go back to sleep right away. And the rosary is just such a such a comforting prayer where you're, you know, pushing along the beads, saying Hail Mary after Hail Mary after Hail Mary, um, where, you know, again, if, if it's the middle of the night, you're kind of groggy, a little too tired to get up, um, but a little too awake to go right back to sleep. Uh, it's a great, a great go-to prayer and a great go-to prayer. I know so many of us will pray it, you know, on our commutes to work or if we're out for a run or, um, you know, waiting somewhere. Um, it's just a great, great go-to prayer. And uh, the joyful mysteries especially are a great, great prayer and are great points of reflection during the Advent season as we, you know, read about, think about, and prepare for, once again, celebrating the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Nativity, contemplating these moments in Christ's life and asking him to break open the graces of each in our lives all throughout the year, but especially this time of year as as we prepare for Christmas. So if you're looking for an Advent practice or something on which to focus or to use to focus your prayer and preparation during this Advent season. Let's take up the rosary each day and in preparation for Advent, which is preparation for Christmas, maybe make a little list. I've, I've started making um, like an intentions and Thanksgiving, petitions and Thanksgiving list on a note in my phone. And then as I sit down to pray the rosary, I just open my phone. I read through Jesus. I offer up this rosary for bing, 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 and then pray the rosary. So maybe list your intentions, petitions, thanksgivings in a note on your phone or in your journal on a piece of notebook paper, and then take up the rosary each day of Advent, uh, asking, seeking, knocking, asking, seeking, knocking, and offering gratitude for the many blessings that that God has poured out upon us, especially becoming incarnate, as we're reminded at Christmas time every year. So thank you, Jesus, for stepping into our human timeline, taking on human flesh, and walking every every moment of our human lives, showing us how to live our humanity well. All right, well, we'll take a brief break and then return on the second half of the episode to read paragraphs 2598 through 2622. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now read paragraphs 2598 through 2622 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Article 2, In the Fullness of Time. The drama of prayer is fully revealed to us in the Word who became flesh and dwells among us. To seek to understand his prayer through what his witnesses proclaim to us in the gospel is to approach the Holy Lord Jesus as Moses approached the burning bush. First, to contemplate him in prayer, then to hear how he teaches us to pray in order to know how he hears our prayer. Jesus prays. The Son of God who became Son of the Virgin also learned to pray according to his human heart. He learns the formulas of prayer from his mother, who kept in her heart and meditated upon all the great things done by the Almighty. He learns to pray in the words and rhythms of the prayer of his people, in the synagogue at Nazareth and the temple at Jerusalem. But his prayer springs from an otherwise secret source, as he intimates at the age of twelve, I must be in my father's house. Here the newness of prayer, in the fullness of time, begins to be revealed. His filial prayer, which the father awaits from his children, is finally going to be lived out by the only son in his humanity with and for men. 
The gospel according to St. Luke emphasizes the action of the Holy Spirit and the meaning of prayer in Christ's ministry. Jesus prays before the decisive moments of his mission, before his Father's witness to him during his baptism and transfiguration, and before his own fulfillment of the Father's plan of love by his passion. He also prays before the decisive moments involving the mission of his apostles, at his election and call of the Twelve, before Peter's confession of him as the Christ of God, and again that the faith of the chief of the apostles may not fail when tempted. Jesus' prayer before the events of salvation that the Father has asked him to fulfill is a humble and trusting commitment of his human will to the loving will of the Father. He was praying in a certain place, and when he had ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In seeing the Master at prayer, the disciple of Christ also wants to pray. By contemplating and hearing the Son, the Master of prayer, the children learn to pray to the Father. Jesus often draws apart to pray in solitude on a mountain, preferably at night. He includes all men in his prayer, for he has taken on humanity in his incarnation, and he offers them to the Father when he offers himself. Jesus, the Word who has become flesh, shares by his human prayer in all that his brethren experience. He sympathizes with their weaknesses in order to free them. It was for this that the Father sent him. His words and works are the visible manifestation of his prayer in secret. The evangelists have preserved two more explicit prayers offered by Christ during his public ministry. Each begins with thanksgiving. In the first, Jesus confesses the Father, acknowledges and blesses him, because he has hidden the mysteries of the kingdom from those who think themselves, think themselves learned and has revealed them to infants, the poor of the Beatitudes. His exclamation, yes, Father, expresses the depth of his heart, his adherence to the Father's good pleasure, echoing his mother's fiat at the time of his conception and prefiguring what he will say to the Father in his agony. The whole prayer of Jesus is contained in his loving adherence of his human heart to the mystery of the will of the Father. The second prayer, before the raising of Lazarus, is recorded by St. John. Thanksgiving precedes the event. Father, I thank you for having heard me, which implies that the Father always hears his petitions. Jesus immediately adds, I know that you always hear me, which implies that Jesus, on his part, constantly made such petitions. Jesus' prayer, characterized by thanksgiving, reveals to us how to ask, before the gift is given. Jesus commits himself to the one who in giving gives himself. The giver is more precious than the gift. He is the treasure. In him abides his son's heart. The gift is given as well. The priestly prayer of Jesus holds a unique place in the economy of salvation. A meditation on it will conclude section 1. It reveals the ever-present prayer of our high priest and, at the same time, contains what he teaches us about our prayer to our Father, which will be developed in section 2. When the hour had come for him to fulfill the Father's plan of love, Jesus allows a glimpse of the boundless depth of his filial prayer. Not only before he freely delivered himself up, Abba, not my will but yours, but even in his last words on the cross, where prayer and the gift of self are but one. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. I thirst. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, until the loud cry as he expires, giving up his spirit. All the troubles for all time of humanity enslaved by sin and death 
All the petitions and intercessions of salvation history are summed up in this cry of the incarnate word. Here the Father accepts them and beyond all hope answers them by raising his Son. Thus is fulfilled and brought to completion the drama of prayer in the economy of creation and salvation. The Psalter gives us the key to prayer in Christ. In the today of the resurrection, the Father says, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. The letter to the Hebrews expresses in dramatic terms how the prayer of Jesus accomplished the victory of salvation. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications, with loud cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard for his godly fear. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus teaches us how to pray. When Jesus prays, he is already teaching us how to pray. His prayer to his Father is the theologo path, the path of faith, hope, and charity, of our prayer to God. But the gospel also gives us Jesus' explicit teaching on prayer. Like a wise teacher, he takes hold of us where we are and leads us progressively toward the Father. Addressing the crowds following him, Jesus builds on what they already know of prayer from the Old Covenant and opens to them the newness of the coming kingdom. Then he reveals this newness to them in parables. Finally, he will speak openly of the Father and the Holy Spirit to his disciples, who will be the teachers of prayer in his church. From the Sermon on the Mount onwards, Jesus insists on conversion of heart, reconciliation with one's brother before presenting an offering on the altar, love of enemies and prayer for persecutors, prayer to the Father in secret, not heaping up empty phrases, prayerful forgiveness from the depths of the heart, purity of heart, and seeking the kingdom before all else. This filial conversion is entirely directed to the Father. Once committed to conversion, the heart learns to pray in faith. Faith is a filial adherence to God beyond what we feel and understand. It is possible because the beloved Son gives us access to the Father. He can ask us to seek and to knock since he himself is the door and the way. Just as Jesus prays to the Father and gives thanks before receiving his gifts, so he teaches us filial boldness. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and you will. Such is the power of prayer and of faith that does not doubt. All things are possible to him who believes. Jesus is as saddened by the lack of faith of his own neighbors and the little faith of his own disciples as he is struck with admiration at the great faith of the Roman centurion and the Canaanite woman. The prayer of faith consists not only in saying, Lord, Lord, but in disposing the heart to do the will of the Father. Jesus calls his disciples to bring into their prayer this concern for cooperating with the divine plan. In Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. He calls his hearers to conversion and faith, but also to watchfulness. In prayer, the disciple keeps watch, attentive to him who is and him who comes, in memory of his first coming, in the loneliness of the flesh, and in the hope of his second coming in glory. In communion with their master, the disciple's prayer is a battle. Only by keeping watch in prayer can one avoid falling into temptation. Three principal parables on prayer are transmitted to us by St. Luke. The first, the importunate friend, invites us to urgent prayer. Knock and it will be opened to you. To the one who prays like this, the Heavenly Father will give whatever he needs, and above all, the Holy Spirit, who contains all gifts. The second, the importunate widow, is centered on one of the qualities of prayer. 
It is necessary to pray always without ceasing and with the patience of faith. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The third parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector, concerns the humility of the heart that prays. God be merciful to me, a sinner. The church continues to make this prayer its own. Kiri Elehisam. When Jesus openly entrusts to his disciples the mystery of prayer to the Father, he reveals to them what their prayer and ours must be. Once he has returned to the Father in his glorified humanity. What is new is to ask in his name. Faith in the Son introduces the disciples into the knowledge of the Father, because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Faith bears its fruit in love. It means keeping the word and the commandments of Jesus. It means abiding with him in the Father, who in him so loves us that he abides with us. In this new covenant, the certitude that our petitions will be heard is founded on the prayer of Jesus. Even more, what the Father gives us when our prayer is united with that of Jesus is another counselor, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. This new dimension of prayer and of its circumstances is displayed throughout the farewell discourse. In the Holy Spirit, Christian prayer is a communion of love with the Father, not only through Christ, but also in Him. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Jesus hears our prayer. Prayer to Jesus is answered by Him already during His ministry, through signs that anticipate the power of His death and resurrection. Jesus hears the prayer of faith expressed in words, the leper, Jairus, the Canaanite woman, the good thief, or in silence, the bearers of the paralytic, the woman with a hemorrhage who touches his clothes, the tears and ointment of the sinful woman. The urgent requests of the blind men, have mercy on us, son of David, or Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, has been renewed in the traditional prayer to Jesus known as the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Healing infirmities or forgiving sins, Jesus always responds to a prayer offered in faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. St. Augustine wonderfully summarizes the three dimensions of Jesus' prayer. He prays for us as our priest, prays in us as our head, and is prayed to, by us, as our God. Therefore, let us acknowledge our voice in him and his in us. excuse me, and is prayed to by us as our God. The prayer of the Virgin Mary. Mary's prayer is revealed to us at the dawning of the fullness of time. Before the incarnation of the Son of God and before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, her prayer cooperates in a unique way with the Father's plan of loving kindness. At the Annunciation for Christ's conception. At Pentecost for the formation of the church, his body. In the faith of his humble handmaid, the gift of God found the acceptance he had awaited from the beginning of time. She, whom the Almighty had made full of grace, responds by offering her whole being. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Fiat, this is Christian prayer, to be holy God's because he is holy ours. The gospel reveals to us how Mary prays and intercedes in faith. At Cana, the mother of Jesus asks her son for the needs of a wedding feast. This is the sign of another feast that of the wedding of the Lamb, where he gives his body and blood at the request of the church, his bride. It is at the hour of the new covenant, at the foot of the cross, that Mary is heard as the woman, the new Eve, the true mother of all the living. That is why the Canticle of Mary, the Magnificat, Latin, or Megalinae, Byzantine, is the song both of the mother of God and of the church. 
the song of the daughter of Zion and of the new people of God, the song of thanksgiving for the fullness of graces poured out in the economy of salvation, and the song of the poor whose hope is met by the fulfillment of the promises made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. In brief, Jesus' filial prayer is the perfect model of prayer in the New Testament. Often done in solitude and in secret, the prayer of Jesus involves a loving adherence to the will of the Father, even to the cross, and an absolute confidence in being heard. In his teaching, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray with a purified heart, with lively and persevering faith, with filial boldness. He calls them to vigilance and invites them to present their petitions to God in his name. Jesus Christ himself answers prayers addressed to him. The prayers of the Virgin Mary in her fiat and magnificat are characterized by the generous offering of her whole being in faith. This brings us to the end of our reading selection, the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me for another week. Between this week and next week's episode, please pray for me, and I will be praying for you. God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends, and connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week, and in the meantime, God bless you.